Welcome to a new episode of our Drivers of Innovation podcast series. Today with us is Marike Hönewald from South Africa. She worked as an executive director for the Democratic Alliance, one of the, or the major opposition party in South Africa, and she founded her own company, Anew. Could you tell us a bit more about your work, what you're doing and why are you doing it? So I studied law and I did not want to be a lawyer. Um, I think I've always been interested in politics, although I didn't know it. And I certainly always was interested in leadership development and people development. And it just so happened that after university, after I finished my master's degree, I got a job to work for a political party. And in the same year I discovered that I'm a liberal and that I really like the idea of freedom. Um, and I think there's a nice place that where development of people and helping individuals become their best selves meets liberalism. It's, it's almost the same thing. Um, so I started working in politics. I was very fortunate that the Democratic Alliance is an organization that's deeply committed to developing its people. So there was a lot of scope there for me to develop a lot of new interesting products um, and projects. I did that for about 10 years. And then I decided that it's time to do my own thing and that there's a great big world out there and a um, contribution to make to it. So I founded Anew. Um, and in Anew I do leadership development. I still work with the DA as a political party. Um, I'm also a coach. So there's a bit of program development on the one end and some work with individuals and teams in terms of facilitation on the other side of it. So you have the experience of both working for a quite big organization and on the other hand working as an entrepreneur. So what are the things that you liked about the working in a big organization and now working as somebody, as an entrepreneur for you? I think when you work in a big organization, the types of advantages that come with it include uh, being part of a team, feeling very connected to a cause um, and to the vision and the values of the organization. Um, an organization, I think, generates its own momentum and energy. So there are organizational deadlines and pressure that you form part of. When you are on your own or you have a startup, uh, you are the person responsible for generating that energy. <laughs> if it's not there, it's your problem. <laughs> so um, you also have to be quite deliberate, I think, to help yourself form part of a community or a team because I think it's quite easy, particularly when you're starting out, to become a little bit isolated and feel lonely if you're transitioning from a big organization. So to find communities of people where you feel part of something I think is really important and I've been very lucky that I could still maintain quite strong ties with the Democratic Alliance so I still feel very much part of that team and part of an international team of liberal facilitators um, but yeah I think the differences are, are quite stark. But you also have a lot of international experience so in, in looking at South Africa what are the the special features or the, what's the special thing about so working in South Africa, about the political environment that you work in? I think if I was not South African, I would not be able to deal with discomfort as well as a facilitator. And when you're in the business of developing people, dealing with feeling uncomfortable a lot of times is a big part of it. You have to 
support people to often work through difficult problems, challenges in themselves, in the organizations. And it, it sometimes takes time staying there in order to reach the best solution for themselves. Um, South Africa is a place of contrasts. It's not a comfortable place. It's an amazing place that I feel deeply attached to, but it challenges you. And I think development also, it creates a similar feeling. So I kind of feel as if South Africa teaches you to be able to stand in the fire and be there and to think about what contribution you want to make. Um, and that's really set me up to, I think, do good work with other organizations and countries that face similar problems and challenges and have similar hopes and dreams. So we have these experiences with working in other countries, working with people with very diverse cultural backgrounds. Um, a lot of people face that today, especially like w when you go to another place uh, or you work in a startup, uh, whether they're usually quite internationally or more international mm -hmm. than traditional companies. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to people um, in terms of working in an international team, um, dealing with challenges that come up, and um, also for a company maybe, what, how they can support the process, how they can support dealing with these challenges that naturally occur in international teams? Now that's an interesting question. I think the biggest skill you can develop in yourself um, in the time we live in is the ability to really become a very keen observer of yourself and of the world. And I think that requires a lot of listening and a lot of noticing. And often that requires the ability to keep quiet. <laughs> if you can cultivate that ability, you will notice things that other people don't notice. Um, you'll notice things about what is appropriate in which context, what others need from you more or less of. And that varies, I think, from country to country. I think the essence of leadership does not vary. The why of connecting with people, um, having influence, having values and a vision. But the how and the what does vary. In some countries, a quieter approach is valued. In other countries, if I can be stereotypical, like Latin America, a more outgoing approach is valued. In Germany, a more direct approach is valued. In South Africa, perhaps a little bit more diplomatic approach is valued. Um, and noticing what people need, and not just what it is that you need, um, and responding to that. But that asks of you to notice it. Um, so this ability, I think, to observe yourself and yourself in the world and others and to constantly make small tweaks towards responding in a more useful way, I think is, is the best advice I can give. Talking about leadership, a lot of organizations, whether they're companies or political parties, have this task or, or the challenge to find good leaders, to develop their people. Um, how, how do you find a good leader? How do, you, how do you develop a good leader in your organization? Well, I think there's a difference between finding and developing good leaders. Um, and it's certainly not an easy question, I would say, with effort. <laughs> I think there's a trend in the world towards letting go of formal roles and job descriptions. Um, and maybe the skill set or the key performance areas of a particular role. Um, I think it's, it's a lot more important to think about how should somebody be that is in a certain role. Um, things like uh, resilience or creativity or adjustability. Um, 
to think about what leadership way of beings you're looking for in people um, and to then try and find that instead of trying to find someone who's really good at managing social media because I think younger people and particularly younger leaders in the world are really great at adjusting to whatever outcome they need to produce. It's harder to cultivate those way of beings that, that I think ways of being that, that changes maybe a little bit slower over time. And then I would say in terms of development, um, I think one of the key challenges um, or one of, I think one of the biggest things that I would like to uh, offer to organizations is an ability to see development as a journey or a process and not as an event. When you are thinking about yourself and developing, you are in, you speak of the politics of the long haul, but it's also the development of the long haul. It's an ongoing process. Learning happens everywhere. Um, and it links to what I said earlier around observing yourself and about what the world needs from you and what tweaks you can make in terms of your way of being in the world to adjust to what the world needs or what the organization needs. And I think that's the biggest thing organizations can do. Create spaces for people to discover more about themselves, to talk about what is challenging them, not only to think about skills development as this once-off event, but to think about what is the process you want to take someone on. Um, because someone might not pop into a leader in a one-day workshop. Friday's the workshop, Monday they're a leader. That's not how it works. Um, but if you're willing to take them on a journey, they might surprise you. And I'm often surprised by people that just come out as these incredible leaders if you're willing to go on this process with them. So that is already, I would say, a trend that you outlined there in, in your business, in your area. Um, are there other trends, developments, positive or negative? Are there certain how technologies, is there something that is changing the field in the next couple of years, in your perspective? In certain organizations, there's definitely trends around, I mean, in terms of organizational structure, around less hierarchy, flatter structures, th those are certainly not new trends. In terms of people, I think there's, a, there's an approach to seeing more of the individual, less of a kind of generic development approach. Um, there's definitely a trend towards personal well-being as part of a um, personal development, learning and training approach. So development and learning not purely being a human resources function, but being a very much a standalone function on its own. Um, it's interesting that you use the word technology. I think I have very mixed feelings about the role of technology in development. Um, and my preference, I think, would be for people to switch off from technology and return to themselves and cultivate the ability to have conversations with each other um, directly, if possible. But also, obviously, when they're not in each other's company using technology, I think things like mindfulness applications, etc., are extremely useful to cultivate new habits, but they can't replace the habits that you cultivate for yourself without them. They're just a means to an end. They're not supposed to be the end in itself. But if there would be a research lab that is approaching you and saying like, hey, Marika, we are creating a product or a technology for you yeah. that is totally innovative that's not there yet um, you have one free wish like what kind of technology or product 
would you choose and say for your personal use or for your work use? I think the ability to short circuit all processes in your brain except for one that is offering attention to one thing at a time as if you can kind of flip a switch so that you are only focused on one thing and that you give your full attention to that thing um, whether it is a certain task that you're fulfilling or doing nothing or being bored or enjoying yourself um, or having an amazing meal or having an incredible conversation with someone but just forgetting about everything else and just focusing your attention on that. So we are in Hong Kong here. Mm -hmm. um, yes. That is uh, quite a place where it's difficult to actually be for yourself. There's a lot of people very densely populated, a lot of things going on. How do you experience it? How do you experience Hong Kong? How do you experience Asia? What's your impression? It's my first time in Asia. Well, yeah, it is. And um, I've been blown away by Hong Kong. I think there's an incredible energy in this place. Um, and a creativity that meets sort of a ordered, systematic way of living, which is really interesting. Um, so I've really loved it. And I think the interesting thing about Asia and what I understand of kind of Asian rituals also being very different is that there are a lot of kind of rituals in, in Asian communities that are deeply seated in being together, but being silent, um, focusing, almost meditative. And I think there's a lot to learn from it. And uh, that's perhaps something interesting to notice in terms of a development trend is that I think people are returning to rituals which were not necessarily seen as traditional spaces of learning but that actually does teach you something about focus or gratitude um, or appreciation. I think there's a lot of learning in that um, and I have a suspicion that Asia has a lot to teach the world in that regard. Looking a bit into the future again, and uh, on a more personal note, in 2022, five years from now, what are you doing? Um, I think at that time I hopefully would have contributed in some way to the South African election, which is a big election taking um, place in 2019. And that in another way, I hope to really have built up more of a brand in terms of a new, my business. Um, working perhaps with my own team of people to deliver development programs. I think I am deeply committed to de delivering these types of programs and supporting organizations that makes a difference in the world. Um, bringing more freedom to people, supporting people to be themselves and to live their best life. So if I could work with more such organizations and with a core group of people who really also believe in that, I'd be very happy. Thank you very much, Marika. Thanks for being here with us today. Thanks, and thanks to the audience. Um, keep on being drivers of innovation. <laughs> <laughs>